presented by Airlines for America. Good morning, Playbook listeners. I'm Raghun Winovalin. Today's show, key takeaways from last night's State of the Union address, plus the big things we're watching on Wednesday, February 8th. Breaking this morning, by way of the Associated Press in London, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky will visit Britain on Wednesday. It's his first trip to the UK since Russia's invasion began nearly a year ago and only his second confirmed journey outside Ukraine during the war. The British government says Zelensky will hold talks with Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, address the British Parliament, and meet with UK military chiefs. This was the wildest night in the House chamber since a few weeks ago, when the place was bananas during the McCarthy speaker vote marathon. Aside from Biden's confrontation with the entire House GOP conference, the second most talked about encounter involved Representative George Santos and Senator Mitt Romney, who last night told the congressman how he really felt about him. Afterward, Romney described to reporters what he had to say. He says he, uh, you know, that he embellished his record. Look, embellishing is saying you got an A when you got an A minus. Lying is saying you, you graduated from a college you didn't even attend. And, and he shouldn't be in Congress, and uh, no. they're going to go through the process and hopefully get him out. And uh, but he shouldn't be there. And, and uh, if he had any shame at all, he wouldn't be there. Why did you, you know make what? a point to say that, though? I mean, you went. I mean, it was kind of out of your way to. to well, he was say standing that. right there in the aisle, shaking hands with everybody. Did he respond to you? Uh, he may have. I didn't hear Are anything you he said. That Kevin McCarthy is not the last two Democratic presidents to speak before Congress at the halfway point of their first terms had been thoroughly rejected by voters. Bill Clinton lost both houses of Congress in 1994 and interpreted the defeat as a rejection of the welfare state. He called for the government to be smaller, less costly, and smarter. He co-opted the language of the Gingrich Revolution and rebranded Clintonism as responsive to the anti-government whirlwind that had been unleashed in November. He proposed lobbying reform, more deficit reduction, tax cuts, welfare reform, and deporting what he called illegal aliens. Barack Obama came before Congress in January 2011 in a very similar frame of mind. Democrats still controlled the Senate, but House control was shattered after the loss of 63 seats, and he readily conceded that the midterms were a backlash against the size of government. Obama went on to propose radical reductions in spending, floating a five-year freeze in discretionary spending and boasting that nothing was off the table, including the Pentagon, Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security. What followed in both the Clinton and Obama eras was shockingly similar. A burst of bipartisan deal-making, GOP overreach, the incumbent Democratic president's re-election, and the fall of the Republican speaker. Once again, the midterms have shaped the State of the Union that followed. But Despite losing the House, this Democratic White House has interpreted the midterms, where Democrats gained a Senate seat and kept House Republicans to a nine-seat pickup, as an unambiguous victory. Biden last night sounded nothing like his Democratic predecessors, who were at times apologetic about the ambitious agenda of their first two years. Sure, Biden promised to present a budget that will cut the deficit by $2 trillion, but he certainly did not signal a pivot to austerity. He betrayed no regrets and presented the next two years as a proud continuation of the last two. This is somewhat counterintuitive, because by some measures, 
Biden is weaker politically than Clinton and Obama were. Clinton had a 50% approval rating during that pivotal 95 State of the Union address. Obama was at 47%. Biden, he's at 42 the pre-speech coverage on the cable nets last night was heavy on the dismal polling, including evidence that most Democrats are unexcited for him to run for re-election. But Biden's grand insight is that you are only as unpopular as your enemies, and their ideas are popular. While McCarthy runs a replay of 1995 and 2011 and assumes government spending was the core issue for 2022 voters, the White House this time is not conceding the point. In fact, Biden and his closest advisors believe he won the midterms on the strength of his 2021 to 2022 agenda. There was little in the Republican response by Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders that challenged the White House's sense of optimism about the night. Sanders spoke movingly about overcoming thyroid cancer, and the 40-year-old is justifiably proud of serving as America's youngest governor. But on policy, she stuck to a narrow set of cultural issues that fire up the MAGA base, such as COVID mandates, critical race theory, and describing Biden as what she calls the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. She concluded with a long story extolling Donald Trump for visiting Iraq. While the White House is sensitive to voter concerns about immigration and crime, it has learned to yawn at much of what was on Sanders' list. From Biden world's perspective, the more Republicans behave badly in front of the biggest political audience of the year, and the more they spend their time bragging about cracking down on the use of Latinx, as Sanders did, the more room Biden has to talk about the Brent Spence Bridge in Kentucky, the cancer moonshot, insulin prices, airline and bank junk fees, or a new semiconductor factory in Ohio. It might not be enough to boost his approval rating out of the 40s, but it could be enough to win another election against the current version of the GOP. Here's what's up in Washington today, starting with the White House at 9.55 a.m. Eastern. President Joe Biden will depart the White House to head to Madison, Wisconsin at 2 p.m. Biden will deliver remarks on the economy. And at 6.05, Biden will depart Madison to head back to the White House. Here's what's on the vice president's calendar. At 9.15 a.m., Vice President Kamala Harris will depart D.C. to head to Atlanta. At 2.10, Harris will participate in a conversation on climate change. And at 4.25, Harris will depart Atlanta to return to D.C. The House will meet at 10 a.m. The Oversight Committee will hold a hearing on Twitter's handling of the Hunter Biden laptop story at 10 a.m. The Senate is out today. All right, for more news on what's breaking in D.C. right now, subscribe to the Playbook newsletter. That's at politico.com slash playbook. Our music is composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Rogu Manavalan. Have a good Wednesday. We'll see you first thing tomorrow morning. Did you know more than 90% of Americans have flown in their lifetime? And more than half of Americans have boarded a commercial aircraft before their 16th birthday? Robust competition in the U.S. airline industry has helped reduce airfares and generate a wide variety of selection, choice, and options for travelers. Learn more at airlines.org.